Hi guys, it's Pleasance, and this is the October, just you and me, just me and you. Um, it is almost mid-October, and <clears throat> I'm actually recording this live from the parking lot from my car um, at the Mind Body Medicine Conference and in Ellicott City, Maryland. And the my Center for Mind Body Medicine is um, a old, it's about 30 years old, um, <clears throat> organization that really brings together the evidence-based practices for healing, for trauma, and works with, um, you know, the organization was founded by a doctor, so there's a lot of doctors and nurses and mental health professionals in the training um, and the relationships, but basically at this point, the center really has all these projects around the world that they um, are called in for. So for example, in Sonoma after the fires, in Haiti after the earthquake, um, after hurricanes and tornadoes and uh, conflict, they are called in to help <clears throat> bring these integrative practices to the communities that are healing. For me, this is really the next step towards things I'm interested in integrating and providing for people. And for a few years now, I've been really heavily um, sort of head down in the coaching world, meaning working with business coaches, doing my own coaching, um, and trying to find my way in that world because I didn't come to helping people from a coaching background or a, or a, I hate my job, so let me go be a life coach and make a lot of money while I sit on the beach background, which I think, it's not judgment, I just think that there's this big idea that you can like hate your job and then just go become a life coach and sit on the beach and make money. And I've seen pictures of that and had had other conversations with people about that. Um, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't, it doesn't really matter to be honest. But for me, I, I've always had a passion and an interest in therapy and counseling. I've had therapists many times over the years. I really believe in it. And I know for me that the real transformation from my trauma and the real transcendence into making meaning in my life came from embodiment. It did not come from therapy. As much as I loved my therapist, um, I still had a lot of stagnation and congestion in the body. <clears throat> and coming to yoga, finding my way to yoga, meditation, and breathing practices oh man, that changed everything. It really did. It moved the stuck energy. It gave me a level of self-awareness from the inside out so that I could um, really digest and understand and release the suffering and the trauma that was living in my body and my cells. No matter how much my, my mind talked about situations or wanted to get better or feel better, um, I really was stuck. And the yoga just broke me open, woke me up, and was the real ticket for me at the time in my 20s. 
Um, now fast forward 20 years and I believe it all counts. It all matters. And when we bring it together, when we talk about the wounds and then we breathe and we move, we do so much, um, shaking and dancing, uh, and moving in this training, just like we do in my yoga classes. Um, it just feels like home. It feels like, oh, these are my people. And the, this is the world I want to live in. You know, I, I, um, had been to some live events again with some coaching, more coaching type people, not, um, necessarily healing, um, and mental health professionals. And it just, I never felt quite right. Like I felt like there was a level of authenticity maybe missing like if everyone is striving to make so much money and put out a persona of perfection and not enoughness which you heard Megan and I talk about on the marketing podcast um I kind of felt like I was like trying on a bunch of different roles and one of the biggest things I learned this weekend is I have an entire ethnic identity that I have been rejecting for pretty much since I discovered yoga. And when I started falling into yoga culture, which is a real combination of Hinduism and Tantra and Buddhism, I just, I I craved that identity and I clung to it. And I think that's where some of the cliches come from lost, lost lost-ish or interested-ish yoga teachers like myself in the day. Um, wearing mala, chanting Sanskrit, saying namaste, um, you know, this cultural appropriation. And honestly, I didn't realize I was doing it. It just felt good. I didn't know what I didn't know. And no one was talking about this issue of taking from others. I think for me, I always, always had and have such a deep respect for my teachers that if you've ever taken a class with me or... Um, been around me in that setting, I'm always talking about Eric, I'm always talking about Angela Farmer, um, or the Jiva tradition, like whichever tradition I was sort of into at the time or learning from, I would be like, oh man, this is so cool. This is what this teacher taught me. I have a deep respect for lineage. And I think part of the reason is because I don't really have that um, same kind of connection in my family. And there's nothing wrong with my family not my paternal side and not my maternal side. I'm not even going to go there today. But what I'm saying is that I found sort of this home in the yoga culture that I didn't feel in my own home. And what is so interesting now is that I did have it um, in Judaism. And I have a very strong connection to Judaism. I mean, I lived in Israel, right? Like I went to Tel Aviv University and I met my beloved friend Tammy there and we had these experiences and I really confronted my conversion to Judaism because my mother's not Jewish and um and loved learning from a sociological perspective about being Jewish and American and living in Israel and having a a mom who was not Jewish and going to sleepaway camp and doing Shabbat at my grandma's. There's so much richness that I rejected when I found yoga. And now it's coming full circle because yesterday um, I woke up. And so I'm teaching yoga, mat-based yoga here 
at the conference and it's so at the training and it's so fascinating because I am waking up between 3:30 and 4. The class is at 6:30. The drive is a little over an hour and um it's just <clears throat> it's um fascinating to have these super long days. It's exhausting, but it's not. It's very weird. I feel like I'm in the twilight zone here, just kind of in my own world. But it's very um, it's very sacred to have yoga integrated with this, with this training so early. And for me to be rising so early um, in honor of teaching this tradition that I love. Um, and I've stopped teaching mat-based yoga in Washington. So I'm very much focused now on more mind-body. Um, most of my private work and client work is we're doing integration or I'm recommending yoga videos to them or yoga classes or teachers. But I'm not teaching any mat-based yoga right now. And so to return to being known as a yoga teacher feels funny <coughs> here and nice. Mm. But I'm learning so much because that's what sacred sabbaticals do, right? When you take a break from something you've done for so long, you see more, you feel more. And I don't have a desire to go back to teaching mat-based yoga regularly. I'm noticing the first day I was so excited. It was so delicious. The second day was a little bit less so. And today, the third day, was actually the hardest to get out of bed. Um, I thought, oh, I'm just so comfy and cozy. And so I'm just noticing my own fluctuations of the mind. <laughs> I'm noticing my own desire. And so I love teaching mat-based yoga once in a while. That's what I've learned is that I made the right choice not to teach every week regularly because um, for just a lot of reasons. And I don't, and I'm learning from Randy Buckley, who you'll hear on the podcast uh, coming up about boundaries. I don't have to explain it. I get to just say that and, and live in that. And that feels really good and a real change for me. So this return to Judaism is fascinating because I have been feeling it since the high holidays. So I've been feeling this deep connection to my own roots and my own ethnicity and feeling the connection. The closer that I get to identifying and talking about my family and where it comes from and why that's important, the more I'm um, dissolving the stress and tension in my body and in my mind about race, um, racial issues and conflict, which you've heard us talk about on the podcast. Rita and I talk about race and spirituality a lot and the not so black and white America and all the stuff that you've heard us talk about. Um, it's so fascinating because it's kind of like I'm, I don't, I don't want to say this in an egotistical way. Like I'm rising above the black and white conversation. I don't mean it like that. I just mean I'm learning more. My world is expanding. And the more that I can talk about and connect to and deepen and love and accept and embrace my tradition that I've been rejecting, the more I let other people talk about and love and connect to their traditions and their ethnicities and this is how we unite. This is how we uh, start to see each other, see ourselves in each other, and hold each other and stop separating us, them, black, white, right, wrong. And I'm so grateful, right? Like these are just these, these 
things that seemingly are not a big deal, except they're such a big deal. They are just um, the stories, the moments, the growth of your life. And I wouldn't, um, I can't believe I get to be in these rooms and have these conversations. You know, have you ever been somewhere? And I said this to my grandmother yesterday. She said, how's the training going? And I said, grandma, have you ever been in a room with, you know, a hundred or 200 people who feel the same way, who learn the same stuff, who, who are your people? You ever been that, you know, you ever done that? She said, Oh yes, Plessy, that is, that's so good. You know? And that's how I feel is that, um, it's not the same feeling I got in some of the coaching and business, um, creative entrepreneur world that I've been living in where I, I, I never felt enough. I never felt like I was making enough money. I never felt like, you know, my clothes were nice enough. Um, I just always felt less than in some of these, um, less, uh, connective communities. And I don't want to pull them down. I, I really don't mean it like that. I just mean in my experience, I have been searching for a place to call home because that's what my soul and my seeking heart is always doing. And I found it in the yoga world, you know, 20 years ago. And now I've moved so far away from that. It doesn't feel, it doesn't always feel like home to me. Let me put it that way. Sometimes it does. Sometimes mat-based practices does do sometimes some studios like I have a bunch of teachers at Washington Yoga which is our local center that I walk up to and I love to take their classes and breathe with them um I you know it feels good and I don't want to do that every day all day in the way that I used to and that's okay we change we evolve we grow and learning and growing and now for me the Ayurveda stuff is the is the stuff that just keeps me up at night and gets my eyes big and makes me feel like I want to read and study and talk about it. And, um, so for this October, just me and you, I think the key things, themes that I'm noticing right now are this desire for home, which I already have inside of me and remembering that, um, and listening to the Jess Lively podcast, this latest season, season five, which moves beyond the law of attraction and into intuition. It is, it just blows my mind because I feel so deeply connected to the work that she's doing just lively on her podcast <clears throat> because a lot of her client sessions sound almost identical to ones that I'm currently having. And I feel my souls, my angels, my guides, whatever, whatever the beyond is, is so deeply connected and learning from this amazing woman uh, who seemingly we have nothing in common. She travels the world with no relationship and no kids. And she's, I think a lot younger than I am. I don't really know, but the amount that I've learned from her and now without trying to learn, we're just kind of, um, she, I I'm just blown away by the language and the intuition and how connected I feel to the work that she's doing because it parallels so much of the work that I'm doing in my session. So, I'm super grateful for that this month. Um, I also have been reading, oh, this is so delicious, the biography, the autobiography of Mary Pfeiffer, and, or Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, I think. I don't have the book in front of me, but I think it's Pfeiffer. You guys might remember her because she is the author of Reviving Ophelia, 
And I read that book in high school um, about women and girls and growing up and adolescence. And she's a therapist. And this autobiography is about how her life kind of imploded and exploded after the publication of that book because of how incredibly um, successful it was. And she had a very small, beautiful uh, life in the Midwest. And, And I don't mean small in a negative way. I mean, she had her therapy clients, her practice, and her husband and her kids, which is not small life at all. But then what happened was how it blew up and really impacted all areas of her life and success. And and then towards the end, and, and now I'm at the end of the book, and she's looking back over, again, simplicity, saying no, creating boundaries, letting go of perfectionism, inner critic. Um, she's probably in her late 60s or 70s when she writes this book. And for me, I've always, always, always done this, and, I, and I'm now picking up on, oh, this is part of my wisdom. This is part of my unique genius. This is part of what makes um, how I learn and operate different is that I'm always putting myself in um, or trying to read and learn about the stages beyond the stage I'm in now. So I do read a lot about menopause. I do try to spend time with women um, or couples that are stages beyond ours, that are in, that are elders, that I believe in that wisdom. Um, I think that's what I love about studying wisdom traditions is there's this respect for the elders and the information that we can learn from them. So I try not to spend all my time with just people who have elementary age children who are in marriages similar to ours. And so reading this book, it's giving me so much to think about with my own success, my own goals, my own dreams, because I am very very ambitious and motivated and type A in a lot of ways, proving, striving, uh, outcomes like that. That was my jam for a really long time. And when I spend mental time with women who say it became too much, they lost control of it, it overtook their life, they got sick, they lost relationships, I just kind of say, okay, I'm taking note. And when my motivation or ambition or my drive starts to kick in, that pitta, that fire starts to say, then we'll build this, then we'll make this, then we'll do this, then we'll do this. I I call in the wise elders that I've spent time with and say, you know, what would they say? Or what does your soul say? Intuition. Do you need to do anything right now? And nine out of 10 times, the answer is less. The answer is relax. The answer is all is well. The answer is you have all you need. And this is profound for someone who thinks so much and loves to do so much and helps so much and blah, blah, blah. Because I don't have to. I don't have to do all the things in this lifetime. I can if it feels good and I have energy for it and it feels like it's flowing and moving and it's, you know, to me and through me. But I also don't have to push at it and I don't have to focus so much on what others want or um, one of the other patterns I noticed in this mind body medicine training is that I have this like addiction to the word service and talking about service and how much I want to serve and blah, blah. And I'm going to really actively be mindful to let that sort of dissolve because Um, I think it's part of an identity that I wear that I don't need to anymore. I don't need to tell everybody all the time and 
talk so much about it. That's all my ego stuff that's really caught up in, in trying to be a good person. And I don't need to try to be a good person. I am a good person. And so are you. And so are you. And so are you. Like, so are we all. And I'm just noticing that some of the spiritual jargon, and uh, Jess Lively calls it spiritual circus, um, it has been so helpful. I have learned so much. In mind-body medicine, we talk about trauma, transformation, and transcendence. And that's really where I'm at. It's like I'm not holding on to these patterns and wounds. I'm not going to let them bring me down. I'm going to transcend them. But I'm not going to stop talking about them. And I don't mean in a negative way. I mean in a learning, in a healing, in a sharing. All of our stories are so powerful. All of our stories are so needed in this world. Side by side by side. I'm not better than. And that's what I love about the facilitation of these groups is that our facilitators and our quote unquote teachers here are not better than. They too cry. They too share the pain. They too tell how they've moved through trauma, transformation, transcendence, because it's, it's part of being human and not putting anyone on a pedestal, not celebrating a bigger than life, a bigger than this world or this earth, um, beyond just deep, deep love and appreciation. Jim Gordon, Dr. James Gordon, the founder is so loved here. Oh my goodness. He is the cutest. You should see him dancing. I love it. He's so delicious. And the, the appreciation and the love that the faculty and the staff have for him. Um, it's not with like stargazy eyes. They're not trying to be him. They're not brown nosing him. At least that's not what I'm seeing. I am seeing a deep love and respect for a man who has brought this work into the world for a long time. And I'm sure it's not quote unquote perfect behind the scenes. I don't even know what that means. Everybody is human and flawed from organizations to people, you know, but there's not a guru. There's not a, um, uh, I can't remember the word I was just going to say the dogma. That's what it is. There's not something to subscribe to or buy in. Everything is experience. And that's what I love. He pulls in uh, African tradition, Chinese tradition, Mayan tradition, Toltecian wisdom, um, tribal mentality. They, they pull in Middle Eastern traditions and he links them. This is what I love. It's so yummy, like links it to what this modern evidence, the science behind these wisdom traditions. And it's so funny. There's all this language that they use. It's the same language that I've been using for Thrive and Little Om on my own for so long. And so just feels like a big exhale to be affiliated and associated with this larger training and body of work that's so, that is on a soul level deeply connected to the work that um, I've been doing basically from my kitchen table for the past three years. Well, and beyond that at Little O, but you know what I'm saying. So elders, wisdom, ethnicity rather than race, talking about our heritage rather than our colors, than these social constructs that are dividing us. Um, changing, evolving, getting excited. I have a, a letter coming out to our community. I wrote last week and it's about money and motivation. And I don't even know if it still resonates. I haven't read it since I've been in the training. So I'm just thinking about being really open and, and um, communicating some of these things that I think we don't speak enough about 
Um, and these, you sort of like, a lot of people keep asking me, of course, like, what's next? What's next? I mean, we ask each other that all the time, right? And uh, I thought a week ago, I thought I definitely knew what was next and the direction I was heading. And after this training, I'm sort of like, whoa, I think I'm still going in a similar direction, but uh, making different choices around kind of studying and certifications and organizations and why I'm doing it. I mean, I think that's really the important thing here is like, what's the motivation behind another certification or a program or a PhD or um, just the, the, the options that are on my table right now that I'm thinking about and really saying like, I don't want to do anything differently than I do in my daily life. I love, 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 love our women's groups. I love my clients that I have the privilege and honor to work with. And I love my family and they know that they are very highly, they're up there on that priority list. I don't have to battle with that. I really get to um, just be with them. And that's amazing. And pick them up from school and help with homework. And so I really feel like I have an incredible um, harmony with my home and work life. And in the future, um, I want to continue to have that. So it feels like in order for me to do that, the expanding and growing and learning is a really big in part. And so when I asked you guys in the fall, if you came to the Sacred Circle in September, I said, what are you, actually it was in August in our planning, because this is actually part of my planning process, is what are you learning this semester, this season? What are you studying? What are you trying that's new? And I really, really want to encourage everybody to find things that they're interested in from their heart and their soul. So energizing. It's so motivating so that you can continue to follow your own path as your life expands and grows. So whether it's a training or a learning and this time that you sign up or you do it, be mindful if you're doing it from a place of abundance or scarcity. So on my list um, for things to learn in the winter season, because the seasons are starting to change, my fall, I had that mapped out in the summer and this spring and the summer, I was thinking about fall. And looking towards this winter, I'm finding the same types of desires coming up learning and reminding myself about some of these Hebrew prayers that I love. I have been spontaneously like thinking of them while I'm eating meals, while I'm holding my kids. Like this connection to Judaism that I was talking about earlier is now like birth. It's becoming so alive in my body. I can't even believe this desire to, to listen to these chants and these prayers and go to Shabbat dinners and, oh, it's like, ah, I love it. So more of that connection to Jewish spirituality is what I'm thinking about this winter. Um, I've reached out for some guitar lessons because I really want to use my hands in that way. Not more Facebook and Instagram, but more guitar. So like, how can I spend this quiet winter just kind of practicing guitar? So thanks. Shout out to Amber, who does our um, music um, for the podcast. Uh, she's going to teach me some guitar lessons. And then I'm thinking about tennis. I'm looking for some indoor tennis just to get moving in a different way. I don't know which of these I will 100% follow through because I start Ayurveda school in January. But um, 
the idea that I could have my own interest and research them and find a little space for them in my life is what's so motivating and energizing. And probably of the few that I threw out, they will all have their own different paths and journeys and experiences. And maybe one of them will come into the spring also, you know, like it's, it's just asking yourself that question. What am I going to learn? I just finished, I'm about to finish this month in October, the positive psych certification. I'm on the last little section. So I get to close out that chapter, which is a big part of what I wanted to learn over the summer and the fall. So I'm sharing that with you so that you get inspired. And then here's the deal, homework time, email me, tell me what you're learning in this winter. Tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me how it's flowing and changing from the fall season and um, what is on your mind as you um, really think about your month and what are the themes and what is resonating with your heart. And are there any areas that you need, you want, you really desire to heal, transform and transcend from? Are there any areas where you feel like you're addicted to some of maybe the self-helpy, jargony, spiritual stuff that you can let go of and explore other areas of your life. Um, and that's all. I just, I'm, I'm having a lot of imposter syndrome these days, which happens to me as I always kind of change, as, as I pivot, as I expand, I get this where I think, why am I doing this podcast there's so many podcasts. Why do I do the work I do? There's so many other people. And so I'm just sitting with that voice right now. I'm trying to stay connected to what really feels good. And um, maybe it helps others. I don't, again, I'm trying to back away from talking about service. So maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. And this morning when I was thinking, okay, it's, you know, I really want to do the October you and me. I was thinking, instead of thinking about helping other people, think about you know, in the future, if Sailor were to jump on and listen to this episode, what would you want her to know about your life, right? Because I'm leaving my family. I'm so grateful to Mel for just always being so supportive when I go on these adventures. Um, and it's been fun and hard to go back and forth every day because we're doing a lot of deep work in the conference and then I go home and there's a lot of, you know, family transition, but it's all worth it because I get to actually touch my babies at night, which is what I love to do. I'm very physical with them. So just holding them and rubbing their feet and rubbing their backs is, is really, um, gives me a lot of joy. So, um, you know, I just want to bring that is that I just want to keep following that flow. The conversations that are coming up on the podcast about boundaries. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite podcasters, Elizabeth D'Alto, is coming on. We just did the interview last week. Like, I'm excited about all of this. Um, and I'm feeling like there's a lot of noise and I don't want to contribute to noise. So if you listen this far and you enjoy the podcast, reach out, let me know, because it does make a difference in terms of um projects and continuing, you know, I think this is somewhere 50, episode 50 or something like that. And I thought that I might do 10 to 15 episodes in 2018 and I'm at 50. And so I'm just pausing and noticing that, um, what is this podcast about? How does it make, what's different about it? Why is it important? And do I need to do it for you or do I just do it for me and keep doing it for me? And I'm, those are the questions I'm asking. Uh, right now as we change and move into 2019, which I can't wait to tell you all about what Rita and I are working on.
P.S. Rita is the best. Some of you guys have been working with her in Thrive and have told me that. And I just want to say I know. And Rita, you're still listening. I love you and I'm proud of you. And I can't wait to see what we build in 2019 together uh, for Thrivers, for Little Ohm, and for the world. All right. Have a great month. And I'll talk to you next month uh, in this intimate way. May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, and may you live with ease. Thank you.